Take your balloons to the next level as we delve deeper into what truly makes a professional balloon artist with your host, Zivi Kivi. Now, welcome to the Balloon Artist Podcast. Hello, Balloon Artist Podcast Nation. This is Zivi Kivi, and this is Season 3, Chapter 7. And today we have with me Mark Byrne from Florida. Mark Byrne is extremely experienced with balloon art. His shows are amazing, his fashion shows, and he's been teaching in all kinds of conventions for quite some time, uh, for many, many years. His assistants are wonderful. He has DVDs. He's very, very talented. So uh, we'll hear all about his tips and tactics about restaurant work mainly, but not only. And I think you're going to love the show with Mark Byrne. I just want to mention in advance, there will be a special promotion that I explain after the interview. And that is all about Cyber Monday. And, you know, for one day, that happens only once a year, you can get a, a huge discount on the Balloon Stock app. So I want to share with you all the details immediately after the interview. Let's hear Mark Byrne. Hello, Balloon Artist Podcast Nation. This is Zivi Kivi. And today we are in season three where we talk about conventions. And what a, uh, a pleasure to talk today with Mark Byrne. Mark is a veteran balloon artist from Florida. He's been teaching and attending so many conventions. Here's a quick overview. Uh, Mark has been in Twist and Shout in 2007 and 2015. So he attended Float and Diamond Jam and Florida Super Jam and Kidabra, and he's been teaching all around the world. He has multiple DVDs, and he's a, a veteran in the balloon twisting world and also a talented magician with a few products on those as well. And today we will talk with Mark about some of his out-of-the-ordinary ideas on, on how he does restaurant work and line work, and also a few tips for you guys that go to conventions. So, hello, Mark. How are you? Hi, I'm fantastic. Nice to hear from you. So, uh, we want to start by talking first about stuff that are uh, out of the realm of conventions, just to you know leverage the fact that we are talking with you, Mark, and with all of your experience. Tell us a little bit about some tips for restaurant workers about approaching people. Well, uh, I do a lot of restaurant work. Uh, I do anywhere between six and uh, ten restaurant engagements per week, just depending on the time of year and uh, what's going on and what my schedule looks like. And um, I, have a, I have a good time with restaurant work. Restaurant work is a place for me to learn and, uh, and, and create more of my balloon art. So people are challenging me on a regular basis uh, with the balloon art because I have a lot of regulars that come in. And I always end with the line, like, I can make anything that you can think of. And people try to challenge on that. You, you basically approach them and you also try to emphasize to them uh, about how uh, you can pretty much make anything. So you make it very, very clear for them to know that. Can you, can you, share, with us, can you sure. share with us about that? So I approach the table and go, hi folks, how are you doing today? Because the first thing you want to make sure in a restaurant that you don't have a table that's mad. Because a mad table will not be a happy table. So if the table is upset because their food doesn't come out or they need to see a manager or the food's not right, you can 
usually take care of that situation fairly quickly. Uh, if they look at you and go, you know, it's like, okay, fine, bye, bye see ya. <laughs> you kind of back off from them. Uh, so I always try to, first, first thing to do is to approach the table to make sure they're in a happy place. And once I know they're in a happy place, I offer them a balloon. I say, what made the children have balloons today? Or would you guys like balloons if they're all adults? And the responses I get are, you know, unique to say the least. A lot of times people will say, oh, we don't have any cash on us. And they're like, for some reason, they like to pat themselves down and say, we don't have any cash on us. Like, you know, like I'm supposed to know that they don't have cash on because they're patting themselves down like a, like they're frisking themselves. And uh, I usually say, hey, I'm paid to be here. If you'd like a balloon, I would love to make you a balloon. I'm here to make people um, happy, not uncomfortable. And that's one way of really diffusing the situation. And then I usually tag it with, well, I, I do. if you really feel like tipping me, I do take credit cards. And I do have a credit card swiper on my phone. So that makes things a little bit easier for people to be able to assimilate into it. And one of my, um, one of my favorite tip lines is, as I'm doing that, and I tell them, don't worry about it. Um, <laughs> I have to get into uh, character with it. I go, uh, <laughs> sorry, okay. if I'm not wearing a hat, it doesn't work. But <laughs> uh, if, uh, if you guys would like to tip, you're more than welcome to tip, and don't worry, you can't over-tip me. And that gets a general laugh out of them, like, oh, okay, good, you know, I understand. And then I proceed to uh, offer them uh, my, my fare. And I'll say I can make swans, dolphins, mermaids, monkeys, lions, tigers, bears, sharks, dinosaurs, dragons, Spider-Man, or anything you can think of within taste and reason. And that last part is what usually gets me to have people do creative things. Most people will go for the standard fare or the first thing they heard or the last thing they heard or something they heard in the middle. And that works out well. But uh, it's that last line where I get my practice of making really weird stuff. Uh, things that I've made, I've made grandma eating a pickle out of a garbage can as, uh, as a, um, a request one time. I've been asked to make political candidates. I've been asked to make, I've been asked to make a bicycle, of course, which everybody gets asked. And uh, my favorite thing for uh, compa- combating the um, I want a bicycle clown line is I keep a counter, uh, one of those click counters, like if uh, somebody was a doorman in a nightclub, and I pull out the click counter, which is actually on a on a rope on my on my thing, and I click it, and I tell them the number, which is in the thousands, uh, which is a good heckler killer line because the guy that said it thinks they're awfully witty. Like, oh, I'm so witty, this is funny, and then I just go ah, five thousand four hundred sixty nine. That's your number, you know, and then I put it away, and then everybody was like, ah, I've heard that before. So it's it's a nice diffusion. <laughs> From it, and uh, I, I tend to be very approachable with people uh, at a restaurant because they're there to have fun for the most part. And you'll get that vibe from people if they're not there to have fun. Like you know, sometimes people go there to sign divorce payment uh, papers, or you know, they're dropping off the kids to the ex. Or you, you can feel that vibe sometimes, and you know when to move on. That's super. Those are such a, a valuable tips. I really liked how you present the tip speech as well. I believe in engineering. Everything we do 
with uh, customers. Uh, we engineer the way that we make them happy. We engineer the way that we um, make them laugh. And, and I strongly believe that you can even engineer your tips and encourage them in a polite and funny way. And I really like the, the way that you do this. Uh, I will try this tomorrow morning in my uh, hotel gig. <laughs> One other and quick we'll thing with that, too. Sometimes, like... You get somebody that thinks they're tipping really good, like they'll give you a 20 or so, and uh, they're, they're like, uh, here, and, and you go, do, it, do we need change or anything? And they go, no, 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 keep it all. I go, eh, you were close. You know? <laughs> <laughs> so it's like, you know, I, I think probably the biggest tip I've ever gotten in a restaurant just walking around was from a table they didn't even do anything for, and uh, they gave me a $100 bill. They said, we just love what you're doing here with the kids. Here's $100. And I felt so bad afterwards after I got that tip because I went up to the counter and I asked if they had a confederate marker to see if it was a real bill or not <laughs> oh wow I was like uh, I, I feel like such a jerk but I gotta check <laughs> but they didn't see you no, they didn't see me do that but I, I yeah. like a jerk inside for uh, for checking it <laughs> well, you earned, you you earned it and uh, you deserve it. Uh, but you don't really charge uh, like people with credit card. Yes, I can I can charge a credit card. Uh, I have a uh, Square Reader is what I use. There's also PayPal has a reader, and uh, there's a bunch of other different ones out there. They basically are a device that clips into your earphone on your on your uh, smartphone. And you have a app that's on there, and you basically plug in whatever the number is, swipe the card across, and boom, money's in your bank account the next day. Oh, cool! You just need to have the 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 device. the ears, yeah, and the device, and you have to have the the hole in the phone, so that you need to keep the the hole so that they don't take the hole from you. Like yeah, so iPhone in, seven I, people are screwed. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Basically, <laughs> okay. So, um, but so, well, I I see where you're going in your in your restaurant. You also have a badge that you created. Uh, do you always wear the badge? I wear the badge when I'm working in the restaurant. If I'm paid to be at a gig, and I'm paid my full full rate, then uh, I do not wear the badge because uh, you know people shouldn't be tipping me if I'm already being paid uh, hundreds of dollars to be there. So I, I don't wear it at that. But uh, my tip badge uh, basically says, want a tip? Like, would you like to tip? Want a tip? And um, a lot of tip badge, oh, and it says want a tip, and it says paper or plastic underneath. And then it's got pictures of the credit cards on there, and it's got pictures of uh, dollar bills. So that does a couple of things. One, it, it gets rid of the change in your pocket. So people aren't, like, handing you a, a quarter or something less than a dollar. Okay, and uh, the dollar bills are on there like, uh, I think it starts at a five, it's like five, 10, 20, 50, and 100 kind of fanned out on there. So I'm not even like encouraging a dollar bill at that point. And um, yeah, and it, it works out well because people laugh at the, um, when you're in the United States, one of the things that they always say to you when you go to the grocery store, would you like paper or plastic? That's, you know, a plastic bag or a paper bag. So the paper or plastic is kind of a an American joke. 
I see. Well, I definitely I got the idea and it was fun even without the reference. <laughs> but uh, in any case, um, so you have that badge. You also have a system about uh, managing a line walk. But before we go into that, uh-huh. can you tell us a little bit about your style and how you manage to walk fast enough with your challenges uh, in a restaurant uh, scenario? Well, uh, Stephen Jobs uh, once said, "It's easy to make something difficult. It's more, it's more difficult to make something simplified." And I try to simplify a lot of my work, uh, especially in my DVD series, uh, "Bad to the Balloon." Uh, there's actually five DVDs out uh, for "Bad to the Balloon," even though it's slightly confusing. There's "Bad to the Balloon" number one, volume one. There's "Bad to the Balloon" volume two, and there's "Badder to the Balloon." Disc one, disc two, disc three, and uh, I'm maybe doing a revamp on that coming up in the in short period of time, and making it into one, two, three, four, and five <laughs> just to make it easier. But what had happened was on the third installment that I did, I did a Kickstarter for it, and uh, we raised some money, and then I just went out and we just started filming a bunch of stuff. And of course, when you're out in the field filming, you get other ideas and go, oh, we can do this and we can do that. And uh, Jason Zabo was my um, my videographer on on the project, and I finally got to a point after going out for about two weeks and filming. I go, how many do we have? And he goes, I don't know. So we counted them up, and there was like twenty seven different creations that we had made for the DVD. And I'm like, on wow, that's like a lot. And each one is filmed three times, so it's filmed uh, my normal speed of doing something. And you see me performance mode, kind of like if you bought a magic trick, you would see the performance of the magic trick, then you'd see the explanation of the magic trick, and then you'd see the details of the magic trick. I do the same thing with my balloon DVDs. A, I don't speak during my balloon DVDs, so there's no description of what the twist is or anything like that. It's all done visually. So it's very good for people in other countries to get my DVDs because they don't have to translate. You don't have to go, oh, what's, yeah. what's he saying there? I don't know. And you don't have the same kind of dumb jokes running over and over again like uh, like a lot of DVDs that are out there right now where, you know, you, you hear the same shtick over and over and over again. You're like, okay, yeah, we heard that joke 10 balloons ago, okay? So uh, that's what I've done with the DVDs. Uh, so it's got the performance mode, then it's got a closer where it's just my hands and you're seeing the twist uh, up close. And then on our third installment, we actually did an over-the-shoulder shot where it's over my shoulder and you're seeing the thing created like if you were standing over my shoulder looking. So yeah. it was a really innovative way to uh, innovative way to uh, do the uh, the DVD. Uh, so that's what I try to do is simplify my designs in that manner. And I and I put that forward into my restaurant work too. I think in basic shapes. So if something is square, I know how to make a square. If something's a circle, I know how to make a circle. If something is a triangle, I know how to make a triangle. So I take those elements and put them together to make whatever I'm making. And I like to make hats for the most part because when I make a balloon hat, you cut out a couple of the things that are not necessary that take a lot of time in making a handheld creation, i.e. legs, arms, tails, things like that. So when I make a hat, I can basically make a bust of whatever I'm making and that gets across the... Um, the the flavor or the feel of uh, the creation that's being made. You only have to hit like three or four points on any creation to make people go, oh, wow, that is that. Uh, color is one thing to hit with a point, okay? 
if you're making an elephant and you're making it orange, that's really not going to translate really well to being an elephant because people can go, what is it? It's orange. I don't know. Okay. Uh, so color is one of the keys. The other, the other key is a focal point, like the eyes. Where when I, I will twist the heck out of something and it's all upside down and this way and that way, I know where I'm going. But it's not until I put a pair of eyeballs on it that people go, oh, now I see it. For some reason, the eyes are the focal points because we're drawn to uh, the, the facial recognition as humans. Uh, I mean, that's why we see, you know, Jesus in a piece of toast sometimes is because we have facial recognition and go, oh, look, there's, there's a pair of eyes, there's a beard, there's long hair. We can see that, you know. So it's the same thing when you're doing balloon creations. That, uh, that recognition has to come about in that respect. Um, like when I make, a, like if I make a lion, for my lion, the main points of a lion is there, there's the tail off the back end of uh, the loop of the hat, and then there's the head of the lion, and then there's the mane. Those are enough points, and then the color is uh, usually a blush color for when I'm making a lion. So those three or four points that I'm hitting really drives it home to people as far as that's the creation. That's cool. And, um, you know, simplifying your designs in a way that uh, will uh, be identified uh, will allow you to be faster. So uh, that's the, the way to work in a restaurant scenario and, and in a scenario where, you know, there's more kids than, than, than twisters. And that's, that's basically all of the scenarios that we work in usually. So one, of the things, one of the things I do strive for is I do strive for a three-minute mark. I want my stuff done in three minutes or less. And the reason yes. for that is when you go to a table, okay, even though the table's probably been sitting there 45 minutes, you know, uh, 45 minutes to an hour from start to finish for a meal, you don't want to hold that table any longer for the restaurant than, than is necessary. So my yeah. table visits need to be between six and 10 minutes in length total, okay? So if you got four kids there, you're going to do four two-and-a-half-minute-long things to get out of there in that 10-minute time frame uh, because uh, you, you want to be somewhere in between the meal finishing and dessert so that you're not holding up the table for the restaurant. If you can get there yeah. earlier, like before the meal, that's fine also. Uh, but I always, uh, like when I, approach, uh, when I approach tables and stuff, I'm looking for certain aspects of of the tables for the restaurant and I will touch tables and say, listen, I'll be back for you in a few minutes because I know they're not at the point that I want them to be at to, to, uh, to service them. Okay. So the first thing I'm looking for when I walk in the restaurant is I'm looking for styrofoam. Styrofoam is the containers that all the food goes in that we're leaving. We're out of here. So I want to take care of the styrofoam tables first. Next, I'm looking for the dessert tables, the tables with dessert on them. They, they get a uh, priority too. Uh, then I'm looking for a steak or the meal, people with meals on their table for just finish up their meal. And then I'm looking for salads. If, it, if it's a finer restaurant, then they do an appetizer or a salad and uh, drinks. And then the last table that I want to go to is a table with menus on it because they haven't even decided what they're going to eat yet. They don't even decide if they're going to stay yet. <laughs> so, yeah. you know, and that's one of the things I'll make into a little bit of a joke. If they go, no, no, we want you over here now. I go, oh, whoa, 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 whoa. I don't even know if you're going to eat here yet. So why don't you order some food and I'll be right back. And that way it kind of keeps the, the, the tables moving. And that way you're able to hit the last people first. And that dynamic's going to change as the evening goes along. 
So, do how do you tackle uh, like uh, a situation where people ask you, "Oh, but come over, we want you now." So, well, if uh, I will notice where they're at in the meal, and I've been in the restaurant business for over forty forty-five years. <laughs> or so <laughs> like uh, like forever at least 40 uh, yeah definitely a good solid 40 years I've been in the restaurant business either uh, in some capacities or waiter bartender busboy barback dishwasher cook my parents owned a resort up in the Catskill Mountains in New York so I've always been in the customer service industry and you know where people are at when they're at their table okay um, one of the biggest mistakes I probably made earlier in my career is that I would just Ignore tables that I know I didn't need to go to yet. You have to almost explain to people why you're not going to be there just yet and, and put that want into them at the same time, that they want you to come by. Go, I know you guys want me to come over right now, but I tell you what, I got a little kid over here on, on, on the next room that I need to take care of, and then I'll be back over here and take care of you soon. Okay? Yeah. Like, and most people are pretty okay with that. Of course – Everybody has jerks in life, and jerks are going to be jerks no matter what, and there's not much you can do about it. What about if you told them, you're not ready yet for me, I'll be, be with you back in a few minutes, but then, like, will it ever happen to you that you missed it and you didn't come back to them because, I don't know, maybe you noticed other tables that are more important, and by the time you came back, That's they left... Yeah, that happens, and uh, the best thing you can do is you can apologize. And a lot of times what will happen, especially in my restaurants, if somebody really wants you, they will send the waiter for you. And if the waiter uh, comes to you and says, I got a table for you, it's table such and such, you go, whoa, are they done eating? That's the first thing I will ask the waiter or waiter, mm. are they done eating? Yes, they're ready to leave. Be right there. That's, a, that's an emergency call, and I'll go and take care of that. If they nice. say to me, they just ordered drinks, they want you really bad, I'll be there to tell them I'll be there soon. And then you can postpone that a little bit longer. Uh, like I said, you got 45 minutes to an hour tops in most restaurants to do what you're doing. Now, one of my other restaurants that I did for a long time was a breakfast restaurant, and I did two days a week in a breakfast restaurant. That's a lot quicker tur turnover. That was 25 to 30-minute turnover. So you had to move really fast in that one, especially if you had a bunch of kids come in. And if I had, like, a baseball team or some sort of, you know, organized soccer team or something like that come in, and they're taking up half the restaurant, you have to go into a mode where you realize you're not going to be able to fulfill their wishes. <laughs> so yeah. you're just going to fulfill their needs. And when you're fulfilling their needs, it works out a lot better. Uh, one of the things I came up with was a team hat where, you know, I'll get all the kids to go, hey, you guys want a team hat since you guys are a great team? And they're like, yeah, we want a team hat. What's your colors? Normally they're wearing them. Okay, blue, black, and red. Okay, great. So then you make helmet hats, and then you make connectors going from one hat to the next to the next to the next to the next. And now all these kids, like 25, 30 kids, will walk out of the restaurant all connected. And oh, wow. spectacle. It's, it's a great little spectacle, and they have a blast with it. And you've created a scene, so to speak, with it, you know. And, yeah. and, it, and everybody gets it and stuff. And, you know, you'll have the occasional whiny kid that's like going, hey, uh, you know, I want this instead. I said, what, you're not a team player? Okay, fine, I'll go team hat. Come on back and see me next time, and I'll make you whatever you want. 
and then you're bringing them back. So you're inviting them to come back. Wow, wow, uh, this is uh, just a, a golden nugget after a golden nugget, and I really love that. And, uh, you know, you walk fast with the people, you, you always have, uh, you know, uh, the right thing to make for them this way, and you try to do it uh, up to three minutes, that's awesome. But what, what, what can you do in a birthday scenario in order to fulfill you know the needs of your customers tell us a little bit about uh, your approach with birthdays well one of the things i do with birthdays uh, uh a i offer magic shows uh but i did notice something a long time ago with because uh, i was a magician first and then i was a balloon artist and of course i was always trying to sell the magic show and then i realized they're not calling me because i'm a magician they're calling me because i'm a balloon guy so what I did was uh, I, I offer the balloons and figure out how many kids they're going to have there. Since I know my timing, I do between uh, 20 to 25 balloon creations in an hour. That's my normal pacing uh, of doing that. I, I sell it to them based upon that. How many kids are you going to have? And one of the things that I notice, uh, especially where I live, is that the birthday party is a little bit smaller here where you basically have 10 children at a birthday party, okay? So I created a program, uh, which is a basically a half-hour visit for people that wanted balloons, and that's all they wanted. And uh, one of the things I do with the 30-minute visit is I actually play music while I'm, playing, while I'm doing the balloons. So I have kind of my top 10 list of uh, balloon creations that I know everybody likes and such. So... Um, what I do is I set it up that uh, I play the music and all the songs coordinate with the balloons that I'm making. So it's almost like a little balloon show as I'm doing it. And instead of having the kids line up for the balloons, I have them all sit down in a nice big half circle with the parents behind them. And I tell the kids, uh, everybody's going to get a balloon today, so don't worry. And we don't have any lines here. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to make the balloon for the kid uh, that smiles the biggest. So if you like the balloon that I make, the bigger your smile, the more likely you are to get it. So that's how I, I, uh, I distribute them. So I start making my stuff, and uh, I have a little musical intro that I do where um, because uh, I do the bad to the balloon thing, I have bad to the bone play, and I basically in less than four minutes make three balloon creations that have a pretty high wow factor for the fact that I'm just twisting balloons, okay? Uh, it's like a teddy bear and a heart on a hat. Um, I'll make a, uh, a braid crown, and I'll make a duck uh, with googly eyes. And I'll do those in four minutes, all three of those creations in four minutes, which is just a blaze of speed in balloons. And, and it's also funny because I'm, I'm miming along with it, with the music. Um, as I'm making the heart, the heart gets turned into a pair of giant lips, and as it goes bad to the balloon, it stutters. So I have the lips do the, 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 the motion, bad, and it just stutters like, you know, like, um, like a bent dummy type thing. So yeah. that's how I kind of uh, distribute the balloons and get in and out on time. Because when the music hits the ninth song, I know I'm done. And uh, all the kids have gotten balloons. And I'll make something special for the birthday child, like a birthday cake hat which is usually uh, a five-balloon uh, five birthday weave hat. Uh, put a little light in it and stuff if it's, you know, if it's dark enough in there. If it's outside, I'm not going to put a light in it. That's just a waste. 
but I'll put a light in there, and then I crown the kid with the birthday cake hat. And uh, they also get one extra balloon because they're the birthday child. And when all the other kids go, well, I want another one, go, when it's your birthday, you get two. And then, of course, that gives them the uh, the reason to call me because I, they want two balloon hats next time. And uh, what happens if they suddenly have more than 10 kids? Will that happen uh, very frequently? I say it's for up to 10 children, and any children over 10, it's $9 per child thereafter. Nice. Yeah. And uh, so, so it's fair, and they know in advance, and uh, yeah. And when uh, people kind of fight me on the price sometimes. Like, they go, well, you're only going to be here half an hour. I go... So if I can do something that somebody else can do in half an hour, wouldn't you rather have somebody that can do what I do in half an hour than have somebody there an hour that's going to be wasting your time? And they're like, oh, okay, yeah, sure. So they understand the speed and that I go basically twice as fast as anybody else in my area. I see. Uh, and definitely that's uh, an original approach, I have to say, I have to say uh, that, uh, you know, if you have the customer needs for that and uh, the birthdays are small enough, then I think uh, I, I take my hat off because you're serving your customers better by uh, adapting your packages in a way that uh, fits their needs. And I know, uh, because we've discussed your prices before, uh, I know that you're not cheap. So <laughs> I think that, you know, it, 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 it is worth mentioning that, you know, finding original out-of-the-box packages and defining them in a way that fits everyone's needs, it's just a win-win-win situation. So I, I acknowledge that and I appreciate that. Tell us a little bit about conventions. You've been around uh, and uh, you've been teaching in all kinds of conventions. You've been doing some work in jam rooms and so on. Uh, how do you think uh, people should approach conventions? Is it important at all? What do you think? I did a lot of education in my early career, and most of it was with the uh, magician conventions for the most part. Um, I was uh, I went to two professional performers workshops. One was in L.A., and, uh, actually in Hollywood. One was in Hollywood, and the other one was in Mexico, and that was years ago that I did that. I also did uh, Comedy College with Steve Kissel, and they were in Las Vegas, and there was one in Virginia that I did, too. And uh, early on, uh, people were recognizing that I did something a little bit different than they did. So when I'd go to these type of conventions, I would then get hired like the year after or the next year or the, the second year after. And they'd say, well, we want you to teach a class because we really like what you were saying. So I've taught classes at several of these conventions. Uh, Comedy College, I was a teacher two or three times. I don't remember. And I was also, uh, my first teaching with balloons was in 2007 for Twist and Shout. And the funny part was, is I was hired to be at Nashville Twist and Shout. However, they didn't ask me to do balloons. <laughs> they just had me teach marketing, which was uh, kind of cool. So uh, my, my first uh, thing was the marketing aspect of how I do stuff. And a lot of the tips that I've already given you with restaurants and everything were basically in that Twist and Shout um, you want prize with that lecture. Uh, 2015, I was asked back again. Uh, I was sponsored by Qualitex to teach at the Las Vegas Twist and Shout in 2015. And uh, I actually got to teach balloons for a change. And uh, I made my entire catalog of balloon creations to lay out in the room so everybody could see every single balloon creation that I make on my DVDs. 
So I had 52 balloon creations in the room. Nice. I wanted to be in both of your classes. <laughs> now, like, now I realized that I wasn't, like I just started doing balloons uh, 10 years ago in 2006, but uh, gosh. You're uh, further away though, aren't you, sir? <laughs> uh, yes, yes. Uh, you guys you, in the U.S., you have the best uh, conventions ever. Uh, but we are working on it. I have to admit it, we are working on it. Uh, we hope to... I have some uh, some improvement on that. In any case... Um, well, ready, I'll come over there and teach. Oh, wow. Uh, look, uh, I, I'm putting you into the list because we, we have what to talk about. We have some things to talk about. So <laughs> I want to ask you, what are your tips, Mark Byrne, for uh, someone that goes to a balloon convention and wants to improve his, you know, his ROI, his return on investment. He wants to feel like he's getting something out of it. Uh, what do you think uh, they can do? Well, I, uh, I know because I, I usually hang out with a lot of the instructors that uh, we all tend to party a lot. <laughs> so partying is important and the camaraderie that comes with partying is important. But pace yourself, pace yourself, pace yourself, pace yourself, because uh, you wind up um, just burning yourself out, having no voice or anything like that, and and then you won't remember what you're in the class for. So take lots of notes, then follow up on your notes. Uh, give yourself, when you take a note, and uh, put a little follow-up next to it and say, I'm going to try this on this person, or I'm going to do this by this date. And then take action upon your notes. Uh, I would say leave your notes for about a week after you're done with the convention and, you know, uh, give yourself time to get back into your normal mode and pull out your notes and start looking at them and go, okay, this is what I want to do and this is how I'm going to do it and this is the way such and such does it. Let me see if that works for me. That's where you're going to get most of your uh, investment out of it. I mean, learning a new twist and everything is wonderful. And that's what a lot of people go for because there's a lot of uh, hobbyists at, at our balloon conventions. And there's people that do absolutely amazing stuff. Whether you're going to be able to use that in regular performance mode, hmm. <laughs> here or there, depends. I mean, it's fun to practice. And if you're into more of the art aspect of it, that's great. But uh, some of us like to make money with this. <laughs> so you have to focus on what's going to make you money. And that money, will that make you more money by going to another one? Uh, things uh, uh, Also, the biggest thing is the connections that you make at uh, these ones. When I went to 2007, I actually made the connection so that I could, um, uh, I could, I got asked to go to China because of the connection I made at that convention. So stuff happens from meeting people, talking with them, showing them what you do, um, proving what you do is good. That's the other thing that I think a lot of people don't realize. You know, they get very, in the jam room, they get very kind of like closed up, like, oh, my gosh, there's this guy there, there's that girl there, that's that person. I've watched all their YouTubes. I don't make anything like that. Just do your own thing. And if it's good or if it's unique, people will come over to you and go, hey, what's that? And that will become your introduction into what's happening. You know, most of us are are introverts that are in this business that have become extroverts. It's a really weird process. It's like, you know, we're very few of us were extroverts as kids, but we've become extroverted because of the need to push ourselves out of our shells. 
and there's there's a large population of us like that, and you just need to get out of your shell and, and make it happen. Wow, uh, that, that's so awesome, because really, it's not just about those extra designs that you teach, that you learn, it's also about all those um, networking opportunities that, uh, you know, uh, those networking opportunities got you, Mark Byrne, to China, and uh, I, I know uh, um, many, many stories like that, not just uh, with the China story, which I know a few, but also... Um, people that uh, learned stuff that helped them in their career and learned stuff learned, uh, introduced uh, themselves to people that later became partners with them so uh, there are so many so many opportunities uh, to meet with talented people and as you say you know uh, go and show your stuff and uh, if you're good and unique you will be noticed exactly Wonderful. So before we wrap up, tell us a little bit about your line work system, uh, because I, I'm really excited. I already have it uh, shipped to me. It's uh, something that I think is very clever. And just give us some hints and where people can find more details about that. Okay. Well, uh, all my products are available on uh, balloonguy.net. That's balloonguy.net, two L's, two O's just in case you're in Europe and you want to spell it with one L and one O. Okay. <laughs> and uh, my products are on there. And I have my no-line sign, which the no-line sign is actually more of a system than anything else. Yes, you do get a product with it. You get an ABS-printed uh, plastic sign that you can mount. And I give you full instructions on how to make a very simple, easy-to-make sign holder and where to get the uh, the deli ticket machines at a great price uh, so that you can do it. Now, basically, the system is a deli ticket machine system. Um, the thing that I find is that why keep on trying to reinvent how people do a line? There's already a method out there, which is the deli ticket machine. People take a number, they listen for the number, they go up, they get what they want, they leave. That way you don't have people standing in line, you don't have kids pushing and shoving, you don't have people cutting. Nobody can cut if, you, if they've taken a number in a systematic fashion, okay? So that works out really well for me. Um, I also give you a lot of tips and tricks on it because I've had problems, and I've fixed the problems that I've had with it. So you're getting my 10 to 15 years' experience of doing this um, included with, uh, with the sign that you buy. The sign actually has two sides to it. One sign describes how to take a ticket and what to expect. And then the other side of the sign basically says, we are done, which helps you to cut the line. Uh, most people out there know how many balloons they can do per hour or per half hour. And if you don't, you should, because how else are you going to time out what you do? So by having a timing system as far as knowing when your, your line should be finishing, you can set your alarm, because I, I know I get lost sometimes when I'm twisting balloons. Set your alarm for an hour before the show uh, the show's supposed to be ending, or the, the gig's supposed to be ending. And then look at your line and figure out how many people you got in line. If you got 15, 20 people in line, let's say you got 15 people in line. You can take another five people, and then you can cut the line. And the way you cut the line is you pull the deli ticket machine off, you put it back into the box that it came out of, and you turn the sign around and it says, we are done. 
And then it's got uh, verbiage on there, which uh, it's um, the verbiage is my verbiage, so I don't want to really kind of spew it out there because then people will just copy it and not pay me for this. But it says all the things that people say to you that you've heard them say to you. And all you got to do is when they say them to you is point at the sign, meaning that I've already experienced this. Go away. <laughs> and it's not rude. It's just matter of fact. Yeah. And, and you know what? I, I, I see, you know, I have the opportunity of seeing you on Skype video while we're doing the interview. And I see in your eyes the experience of already being there in the situation pointing people to the sign and knowing you know, that this works before and this will work again. And this is what you get from experience. And I, I'm sure that this is something that can be done in other cultures, in other languages. This is why uh, I'm totally sold on the, the idea and uh, w- want to experiment with that. And I can see like even how you can you know, adjust the verbiage to your own style, to your own character, if you have to. So definitely that's something that uh, people can check out. And that is also on um, on the balloonguy.net website. Yes, uh, that's on there. My tip badge is on there also. Uh, of course, my DVDs are there. Um, my first DVD came out in 2007. So my DVDs are over 10 years old. Um, just because they're 10 years old doesn't mean that they're dated. <laughs> it's all very usable stuff. Uh, there's dinosaurs in there. There's, oh, let's see, sharks, dinosaurs, dolphins, uh, swans, all sorts of things, but all made into hats. And also done in such a manner that it, it uses as little energy to make it as possible. Um, one of my favorite ones that uh, I don't know if everybody knows about it or not is my swan creation. It's basically a two-balloon hat that uses a 260 and a 160. But some of the techniques that are in there, I think, are very advanced for people and people don't think about on a normal basis. And I'll just give you a little example of it. As I'm making the swan uh, headband with, uh, you know, with the hooked swan beak, which everybody learns that almost like from Dewey and stuff like that. When you put it onto your arm and then you blow up the second one uh, and you blow it up fully, you put it on your arm and then you just tip your arm down and it rolls onto the other balloon where you tie the other balloon and then you pull it by the where it's tied uh, towards the back of the swan and it clicks into place, which I've never seen anybody else do that before. So I think it's a very unique technique that adds speed to your creation. This swan can literally be made in less than 30 seconds with blowing the balloons up. So it's very quick. And uh, then the other portion just gets wrapped around the, uh, the front part of the, uh, of the um, pinch twist. So it's a very expedient way of doing it. I do a lot of bending techniques in my balloon creations uh, because wherever you can basically do a pinch twist, I can usually bend something and make it look more, I don't want to say realistic, but more, it, it doesn't look as compartmentalized like a bunch of sausages put together as it does when you bend it and you make it look like, you make an elbow look like an elbow when it's bent, opposed to, yeah. you know, doing a pinch twist and this and that. And I mean, we've all seen yeah. like the little muscle man characters where there's, you know, 450 pinch twists in it just to make a, to make a muscle man. It's not necessary yeah. in a lot of respects. 
and that's what I try to do with a lot of my creations is simplify that um, that aspect of it. So that's what's on there. There's also uh, the lecture notes from uh, 2007. Uh, you want fries with that? And I have a very unique guarantee on my lecture notes. I say to people they are the shortest lecture notes you will ever buy that are the most expensive. They're $25 for the lecture notes. It's uh, eight pages full color. And I can also send it off as a PDF if people want it to be. And I guarantee that if you follow the instructions in those lecture notes, you will make an additional $5,000 in the next year. And if you don't, send the notes back to me and I'll give you your 25 bucks back because you don't deserve them. <laughs> That's smart. Now, now I'm convinced. <laughs> Gosh. Uh, that, that's really cool. Uh, we'll put the link to the balloonguy.net uh, website on uh, the balloonartistpodcast.com so people can uh, go from there directly as well. And you were very generous uh, to offer one of your uh, tutorials, like uh, uh, one of your designs that you will share in video format with uh, the listeners of the show. And I will send the details about that also uh, to... To the people that, uh, guys, uh, I think I'll give you guys the um, uh, the unicorn. It's a two-balloon unicorn hat, and it's got two very interesting techniques in it. They're very simple to do, but add a lot of value. Wonderful. And then also this will kind of help people understand the, the style of your designs and how practical they are, how real world worker they are. And then they will be able to uh, check up and decide if they want to take more, uh, more of your designs out of your um, many designs in your five DVDs. Uh, Mark Byrne, it's been a real pleasure to have you on the Blue Artist Podcast show. Uh, thank you for all that you shared with us here today and also for all that you do for the balloon industry because you've been uh, promoting um, ideas that helped people make a living uh, for many years now. So thank you and uh, see you soon in the convention in the U.S. Thank you very much for having me and look forward to seeing you in Orlando. Goodbye. See you soon, Mark. Take care. Thank you very much. Wow, that Mark Byrne is not just extremely talented, he's also very funny, and I really enjoyed interviewing him. I liked his uh, the ways that he engineers his tips. He's uh, brilliant. I love the way that he uh, controls his line, his um, no-line system, and uh, you definitely should support the people that, you know, releases systems and releases uh, solutions and buy those solutions from them. Uh, we are a small industry and we need to support each other. So I uh, thank you, Mark Byrne, for creating a, a, a really cool system. There is an upcoming holiday, which is Cyber, Ma Cyber, Cyber Monday. And in Cyber Monday, you can get the Brody's Balloon Stock Up if you live in the US or the generic version, the Balloon Stock Up, for a special discount. I cannot say more than that. All I can recommend you to do is go to the App Store, whether if you have an, an iPhone or an Android. Go to the Play uh, Store for Google or your App Store for iTunes, like in your iTunes App Store for iPhones and look for Brody's Balloon Stock or for Balloon Stock, so depending on where you live and um, there's so many good stuff coming ahead of us like uh, job cost form and all kinds of other features I, w I would love for you to have. Thank you for listening to the Balloon Artist Podcast. 
please check up the Facebook group Balloon Artist because there's all kinds of goodies there. And see you soon next week on the Balloon Artist podcast. Hello Balloon Artist Podcast Nation, this is Zivi Kiwi and this is Season 3, Chapter 7, The Tip Section. The tip for today is share. Share your knowledge with someone. Find an apprentice, find a, a balloon artist who is in the beginning of his way and share your knowledge with them. Don't be afraid to build your competition. Build your power base. Help someone. You will learn something about what you do. Uh, along the way and it will help you with your art and we will never grow if we don't share Uh, thank you guys for listening to the balloon artist podcast stay tuned for cyber monday's deal just look for the balloon stock app and for brody's balloon stock app and i'm sure you will be happy with it and see you soon next week on the balloon artist podcast